your presence, confessing that we are wrong and you are right. We are weak, but thou art strong. We pray that you would minister through your word, that God, you would tap into those areas of our struggle, strengthen us where we're weak, build us up where we're torn down, pray for every family on the sound of our voice, pray for all of our church members, those that had a mind to come out but could not make it. Meet us in your word and thank you for your lordship. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, amen. Church, amen again. What a song. What a song. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Sometimes God will use crisis or circumstances that are not conducive to, amen, our way of happiness to show us, to point out the priorities of our lives. Isn't that right? I want to really thank all of you for being here this morning. And if none of you showed up, I was going to preach in the name of Jesus. I am committed to the person of Christ. Can I get a witness? And, and God is an awesome, awesome, awesome God. Praise God. Now, I have staff out here. I, let, me, let me throw this over the pulpit. Uh, staff, um, I'm allowing you to be dressed down all week. Then you're dressed down on Sunday. Amen. Praise the name of Jesus. See, I got a hand clap for stuff like that. Amen. And pray for Pastor Juan Peterson. His mother went home to be with the Lord. And the home going is Wednesday. I'm officiating at his church. Amen. He's my heart. And uh, we thank the Lord again from whom all blessings flow. Today we'll be in John chapter 13. John chapter 13. John chapter 13. And I want to focus on verse 7. When you get to say amen. John chapter 13, verse 7. What I do, thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. What I do, thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. The inference of this verse means that God has orchestrated and programmed things for our lives that will make no sense to us now. But later on, we'll understand, amen, why God did what he did, when he did it, how he did it, and through whom he chooses to do it. My operative C this morning is compassion part one. Compassion part one, a love that liberates, a liberating love. Compassion, 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 part one. God's concept of love is clearly, unequivocally, one of the greatest manifestations of his character, compassion, and comfort. Whereas man's concept of love has become 
misdefined, misdirected, and even misused as we think that love is a personal fulfillment through one's feelings and a solution to one's frictions. But God's love has nothing to do with feelings. God's love is about function. And one of the one of the one of the deepest things is as we listen to the music of the world, love gets mangled. Yeah. What does love have to do with it? It's just a secondhand emotion. Some say love is money, some say love is sex. Some say love is me getting my way. Yeah. Some say love is no arguing and no disagreements. And we have a plethora of definitions from the world about love, all of which are wrong. When we begin to look at the Bible, which is the mind of God through the word of God, by the spirit of God, we, we start discerning that God's love is extraordinary. It's something that cannot be manufactured within us. Yeah, that when we begin to look at God's concept of love, it always begins with grace. And grace, God's riches at Christ's expense, grace is giving us what we don't deserve. Can I get a witness? I, I, I know some of you are sitting out there and some of you think that you deserve to be loved and you're already on the wrong train. God, God's love begins with grace. It's a, it's a love that cannot and should not and is not deserved, followed by mercy not giving us what we do deserve. I'm preaching already. Can I get a witness? And, 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 and so when we start to look at God's concept of love, it's not only grace and mercy, but it's sacrificial in nature, meaning it, listen to me, God's love costs you nothing. It costs him everything. Yeah. That, 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 that as we survey, as we look at, as we examine, as we analyze this matter of love, his faithfulness to his people, his supporting and supplying our every need, Amen. He, his fixing of our fractures, his superior oversight of our obstacles, which brings about a peace driven by a power coming from a person involving his principles, we start to understand, part one, that God's love is extraordinary. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, he gave up something dear to him for somebody that didn't deserve to be saved. Somebody, some people that should have been in hell, some people that wasn't worth saving. Lord have mercy. John chapter 13 to John chapter 17 depicts Jesus' life with his own 
disciples. Now, 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 now try to stop, pause, and park because the first 12 chapters of John deals with Jesus offering himself to the nation and the nation rejecting him. He came unto his own and his own received him not. Isn't that right? But when you get to chapter 7, I mean 13 through 17, that's why we call it part 1. When you get to, to chapter 13 and 17, it's no longer a public ministry. Now it's a private ministry. He's only focusing on his 12 disciples. Are y'all getting this? The private will always be more costly than the public. I'm preaching already. Publicly, when I come in here, all I got to do is speak to you and shake your hand and hug you, and that's it. But private, I got to work overtime. Private, I got to I got to navigate through attitudes. Private, I got to forgive what offended me. Privately, I'm preaching up in here. Privately, I got to put aside things that bothered me years ago. And when you, look at, when you look at this context of chapters 13 to 17, Jesus moves away from the public ministry into the private ministry with those who received him and serves, amen, as a farewell night. Mind you that chapter 13 through 17 consists of one day. Meaning... In a day or a day and a half, Jesus is going to be crucified. He wants to spend this private time with his disciples, and he wants to give his instructions and give his farewell to them. And, and, and in this chapter, we will see him defining love with an attitude demonstrating by an action and declaring by a specific and powerful approach. What a chapter that I, I, I see gearing up five critical components of Jesus' compassion. Now, now I, 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 was, I was saying this, this, you know, this morning that you don't fall in love, you grow in love. You, you learn how to love. Yeah, you learn, you learn. And the problem with most of us, you know, coming out of the world, we thought we knew everything about love. And we didn't even touch the surface of love. Can I get a witness? Everything we thought we knew was wrong. Everything we felt was right was wrong. That God's love is not like our love. Our love is fickle. Our love is predicated on us feeling something. Do I have a witness? God's love is discipline. God's love is a function. God's love, amen, amen. God sends the love out knowing that, amen, sooner or later, things are going to work their way around. And the love of God is a fact. It's a positional fact that God loves mankind. He, he so loved. He so loved. And the word so means, it, it, it deals with specificity of position. He so loved the world that he was willing to break the fellowship of the Godhead and give up Jesus to die on a cross for sinners. I, 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 see, I see in this chapter five significant 
components that I believe reflect what love is all about. My God. You know, for some of us in the world, love was looks, love was shapes, love was money, love was how you made me feel. Love, 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 love. I found love on a two-way street and lost it on a lonely highway. Lord, have mercy. Amen. Love makes the world go round. You know, all love records and, and, and that, uh, that we enjoyed while in the world that really did not really depict love at all. They depict lust. They depict, amen, us feeling, amen, better about ourselves and so forth, so on. Uh, one night stands, amen, huh? I can go all the way back to the 50s and some of them songs. Huh? Yeah. Will you still love me tomorrow? I'll, I'll let you take a guess at what that was about. <laughs> ah, my goodness, my goodness gracious. Now, but when we look at John 13... First, love is, now listen to this, it is can an ability to see the needs of another. Now, go, go, go back to uh, uh, chapter 13, verse 1. Now, before the feast of the Passover, Passover is when Jesus was crucified on the cross, when Jesus knew, as the Lamb of God, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own, which were in the world. Now listen to this. He loved them unto the end. The word end, teleos, means he loved them perfectly all the way to the end of his life. No flaw, no blemish ever of him not loving them. I want you to, to see that it's an ability to see or perceive the needs of another. It's an aptitude. It's a learning. First, Timothy, uh, first, first Peter 3 says to husbands, study your wives. Make them a course. Make them a curriculum that you're studying them. And, 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 and listen to this. He, he's talking about that God, listen, God sees, and see is, to see is synonymous with know. God knows us. God sees us. He saw Adam walking in the garden. said, Adam, where are you? He said, um, I'm naked. And I was scared. Who told you he was naked? God, God saw Adam. God sees the wicked every day. Isn't that right? God, God, God is omniscient. Listen, he knows everything. Why is it that we cannot see or perceive each other? And I'll tell you why. Because we're not the priority. When it's the priority, we see the need. There are a lot of parents that get caught up in their children. They know what their children need, but they could care less what the husband or wife need. I got one amen. Let me try it again. You know why? Because that's important to you. 
what your kids need. You're on the phone every day with them, dealing with their needs. And here's your mate that's been in the bullpen for 25 years and can't get a chance to start. Your kids don't always make you feel good. But what we see here is that God wants us to see or perceive the needs of another. Look at the sequence of events. First of all, and, and it's right in the first two verses, I, and, I'm, and I mention this, that uh, uh, it's Thursday night uh, before sunset, amen, dinner is over with. Uh, he's, he's on his way to the Garden of Gethsemane to be, and, and Satan has put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, come on now, supper being ended, the devil, verse 2, has now entered into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Look at the stuff he's dealing with. Jesus knowing, don't miss this, that the father, verse 3, had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and was going back to God. Interesting, Jesus understands this division of time. He's on the timetable, my hour. The decoy, deception of Satan in Judas Iscariot to betray him. The declaration of his divinity. Look, please don't miss this. It says, Jesus knowing, verse 3, that the Father had given all things into his hands. Don't miss that. He, he has divine ownership of everything. Everything, everything. Turn to your neighbor and say, everything's in his hands. Everything is in the hands, yeah, of Jesus. Every, everything, everything. Your outcome, can I get a witness, is in the hands of Jesus. You're rising, you're, you're, you're dying, you're, what, what, whatever it is, it's in his hands. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and what Jesus is teaching us distinctively is that we must learn to study, learn, have aptitude, and see what others need. Now, how do I see it? I, I see it because I'm praying. I'm praying for perception. Lord, give me, listen, give me perception as to what this brother or sister needs. I don't know. I don't want to guess the wrong thing. We, we need to understand what they, we need to know what our kids need. Do I have a witness? That, 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 that we, we need to be tuned in, amen, to their needs. Our views, our values, our visions are not what God wants you to use. Our, our attention, our appreciation, our applause, our acceptance is not what God wants you to use to determine what somebody else needs. All we got to do is get on our knees and say, Lord, show me what my wife needs. Show me what my husband needs. Show me what my children need. You can't answer that on your own. You 
can't do it. First of all, all of us are different. Second of all, who made you the clock? Who made you the chief counselor that you can sit back and determine what somebody else needs? First of all, you don't even know what you need. That, the fact of the matter is, it's an ability to see the needs of another. lady told me 15, 20 years ago, she said, you know what? I, the only time I get hugged is when I come to St. Matthew's. Interesting. Hmm. It's an ability to see the needs of another. You remember when Paul in the book of Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas was traveling on a missionary journey and in the middle of the night the spirit came to Paul and said, no, 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 you're going the other way. Remember that? There's a man in Macedonia that needs you. Remember that? And the vision came up. He said, come over and help us. Remember that? And Paul diverted his direction to go in another direction. And, and listen, Paul ended up in jail by being in the direct will of God. Because as he went into Amen, Philippi, it was a girl, soothsaying girl, she was demonized, and he rebuked the demon out of her, and men were using her to make money, and they threw Paul in jail, remember that? And, 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 and while Paul was in jail, God sent an earthquake at midnight, remember midnight? God sent an angel at midnight to break the jail open, and the Roman guard who was guarding Paul saw that his chains broke, and got nervous and started to take a sword and kill himself because any guard on duty that lets a prisoner escape, they, they was going to die. And Paul said, do thyself no harm. We're all here. Remember that? We're all here. And the man said, what must I do to be saved? Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And if your family believed too, you and your family will both be saved. Didn't he say that? In the name of Jesus. That, that is, Paul could see, Lord have mercy, when, 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 Peter, when Peter and John was walking in, in the book of Acts down the street and a man that was crippled was sitting there and said uh, uh, he was begging for money and Peter looked at him. Peter could see what the man needed. Peter said, silver and gold have we none, but such as we have in the name of Jesus, get up. And Luke, Luke is in the third person because Luke was a doctor. Luke said the man leaped and got strength in his ankle bones. It's God's ability for us to see the needs of others. When God calls us a pastor, he gives a pastor a vision for the needs of that people. Yes, he does. It's seeing the needs of others. Not what you think they ought to have. <laughs> Here. Here's what I'm giving. Take it or leave it. No, we got to see. Because God's going to surprise you. What you think that person don't need, they may need. And it may be very simplistic. Can I get a witness? Maybe they need more, maybe they need more of a compliment than a criticism. 
Maybe they need your help and not your harshness. Maybe they just need to be heard and not you hurry them away. Seeing the needs of others. Hmm. Look at the second thing that comes right out of the text. Love is an ability not only to see, but to submit to the needs of others. An attitude of liberating another. Look at verse 4. He rises from supper. Look at the distinction. Supper's over. And here it is. He lays aside his garments. Now, metaphorically, and put it to the side. Your self-import. Your sense of importance. Your sense of intelligence. He laid aside, and I don't ever like anybody theologically saying that Jesus gave up powers. Jesus ain't never give up no power. Jesus never lost any powers. You, you got to be careful with this language theologically. Jesus laid aside. It was a movement where he would not exercise his rights as God. He emptied out his rights. Hmm. He laid aside his garments of glory, his roles of reason, his self-import, his rank. Our, our submission to God, if we're going to help others, if we're going to love another, we got to subtract something from ourselves. Our self-worth cannot be our reasoning. Yeah. Look what it says. He laid aside his garments. Just metaphorically. Lay aside. How much do you have to take off to be less important? How much do you have to set aside for others to feel comfortable around? Hmm. And, and the next phrase in verse 4 is, and he took a towel and girded himself. Hmm. All, all this is under the guise of his submission. What Jesus had to do to love us. Because mm. he's all God and all man. 100% God, 100% man, hypostatic union. He never diminished nor lost any God and any man. When you, when you theologically look at the person and work of Jesus Christ, and we don't have time to do it now, but when you theologically look at Jesus, it, things become obvious. Like when he was on the cross, 
He's on the cross with the seven last words that we typically hear on Good Friday. And you got to have a Good Friday before you have Easter. <laughs> good Friday is suffering. Easter is sufficiency. I, 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 and, and, and child of God, when you look at those seven last words, they are phenomenal. Listen what he says, and I'm not going to quote all seven, but he says, Father, meaning that there's another person in the Godhead that's separate from himself. We call it the Trinitarian God. He said, Father, listen to this, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. My God. Forgive them, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And um, he goes on to say things like, I thirst. He goes on to say things. He looks at Mary and says, uh, woman, not mother, but woman, behold your new son, John. John, take care of Mary. I'm leaving here. Hmm. He transacts with a thief and promises him today. You shall be with me in paradise. Now, the theological proposition there is this. For him to say that today, the day of my crucifixion, although I'm going in the grave three days, today we're going to be in glory together. Just, just think about the sequence. And then the sixth word is, it is finished. He never said, I'm finished. He said, it, it, the redemptive plan of God is now finished. And, this, and, and, and listen, the seventh word brings everything out. He says, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit because you can't kill God. He would still be on the cross 2,000 years today. He had to give up, Lord have mercy. He had to send his God-given entity back to the father so he could die <sighs> you can't miss that. that and that's not logical for us that's not logical for us to even think that way but when you look at this he took a towel he guarded himself I need to become a doulos I need to become a slave I need to become a servant So love, by this new definition, is an ability to see the needs of others. It's an ability to submit to the needs of others. Another. And then third, it's an ability to serve the needs of another. Application. Now, let's go back to the text because this application gets deep. Notice, <laughs> it's not what we think that somebody needs. It's what they need. Lord have mercy. Foot washing was a societal service typically done by slaves, never done by peers. Your peer, your friend would never wash your feet. And the reason foot washing comes up is because in the first century when Jesus lived, amen, they all wore sandals. They were walking in that region through hot, dusty terrain. Your feet would get hot, your feet would get dusty, and part of 
culturally, part of me being courteous to you is when you stepped into my house, there was a basin of cold water to wash your feet and to refresh you and to cool you off. It's called foot washing. And so Jesus captures this matter of foot washing. There's nothing in the water. There's nothing in the basin. It's, it's, it's simply an example of his love. And at verse 5, it says, after he pulled the water in the basin, amen, he began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with the towel wherewith he was guarded. Oh, he took what was now wrapped around him to help dry off someone else. See, ministry is not about me and you. Ministry is about somebody else. When you serve and submit and see the needs of others, it's not that you walk away with gratification. It's that they walk away with gratification. What can I do to serve you? In fact, the word minister and deacon, diakonos, both mean servant. Hmm. I, I got a problem. My pastor addressed my, one of my problems. I don't like people serving me. And my pastor said, you got to learn to receive as much as give. Because you, listen, you receiving is blessing somebody else. Are y'all getting this? When I go to the airport and I'm carrying bags and I'm, I got 10 guys with me, Pastor, let me carry your bag. No, nah, I got my own bag. Because the military taught me that. You know, I had my little duffel bags, but you know, carry your own bag, carry your own weight. And one time, I gave my briefcase to an associate minister and all my papers in there, and he lost it. I'm on the plane saying, where's my bag? Oh, Pastor, I, I don't know. I must have laid it down. I said, are you out of your military mind? What's wrong with you? Go find my bag. And the stewardess came on and said, we found it. It was in the terminal. And, 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 and your pastor, I just laid him out. So when we got to the destination, he said, I'll carry it. You won't carry nothing for me, Doc. You forget that. See, if I fail, let me be the one that caused me to fail. Now, that might be pride. You ain't failing at my expense. That ain't happening. That's why I don't delegate everything. I, I'm, 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 trying, I'm trying to save myself from certain expectations because I don't want to call you out of your name. You know, you, you, you understand what I'm saying? You mess around and damage something that's dear to me because you trifling or you, you know, you ain't got it all together. Uh, there's no way I'm going to come up talking about blessed assurance. That ain't happening up in here. So, 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 so the fact of the matter is, is that G Jesus, 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 Jesus is serving. Now, in the service, there's a dual uh, situation here. One is spiritual cleansing. The washing of the feet is applicable to us walking in fellowship. Every day as saints of God, as saved people, our feet get dirty. 
Every day we walk through this earth, every day we walk into this world, we have wrong attitudes, wrong, come on, reactions and wrong motives, and we get dirty, and we need to do a 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So based on my confession, my feet get clean, and I'm back in fellowship with God. Oh, I wish I had a witness up in this place. Mm. But there's a second part here. Amen. As the story unfolds, I want you to see this. Uh, there, there, is a, there is a cleansing dimension, but then there's something else that's ready to come up as Jesus is serving them as Jesus is washing their feet. Amen. That that has to be differentiated from salvation, which is an atonement, a complete justification, imputed righteousness, and positional sanctification where we are saved by the shed blood of Christ. You, you got to differentiate the two. The world does not confess their sins for fellowship. They confess them being a sinner and trusting Jesus for relationship. Are y'all getting that? Only saints can come boldly to the throne of grace and confess their mess to a Savior who's merciful. Do I have a witness? I want you. I want you. I want you to see. I want you to see how, how we're almost done. I'm, I want you to see the fourth uh, 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 imperative here that it, uh, love is an ability to suffer for the needs of others. If you ain't ready to suffer, you you are not going to love anybody. You you got to be ready to suffer. It's an absorbing of personal pain. Now now please pay close attention to what pastor's getting ready to read. Let's go back up to verse 7, our text. Jesus said, listen to me, guys. I know this stuff is throwing you for a loop. What I'm doing now, you do not know. But hereafter, you will know. Meaning that revelation is progressive. Yeah. Enlightenment is progressive. We, 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 we might learn something years ago, but are not enlightened to years in the future. Principles of Almighty God. Mm. I was a little boy in uh, um, Bible, what do, what do they call it? Uh, no, not Sunday school. Uh, yeah, vacation Bible school, little boy, and we had to sing a song. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Well, we just said the words. Yeah, but those words were paramount in truth. Mm. Those words came to mean a lot. That 
I was trained as a child that if nobody else loves me, Jesus loves me. If mom don't love me, if pop don't love me, if church don't love me, Jesus loves me. See, that's that early biblical foundation your children need. Because the world's not going to love them. Can I get, their friends are not going to love them. Come on now. You, you, if, if you walk out that door today, you need to know that Jesus is the lover of your soul. He loves you more than you could ever ask to be loved. His love is greater than your sin. His love is greater than your understanding. His love is greater than anything you could ask of him. Notice the suffering in silence. Verse 8, Peter said unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Now, 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 here go Peter. Let's give Peter some credit. You know, Peter's the man. If nobody else say nothing, Peter's going to say it. Lord, you'll never wash my feet. Hmm. See, in Peter's mind, Jesus was Lord. He was a dirty sinner. No, Lord, we're not turning this around. You're not washing my feet. But there's something here I want you to see. When we try to love others, there are people we're trying to love that will reject your love. Just like Peter, you ain't watching. You ain't loving me. You know why people reject your love? Because they got a love history that's damaging. Something has taken place in their past. Listen to Pastor, that won't allow you to love them. Maybe the daddy was messed up and took advantage of their mother. Maybe their mother was messed up, took advantage of their daddy. Maybe they was in a relationship that 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 just devastate them maybe something happened to the, in their lives they, they got a love problem you got you got you got people that try to love and people won't let them love this one's deep hmm he rejected jesus from washing his feet some of us reject love because we don't like ourselves our self-image has been damaged. Our history has been horrible. We're messed up on the inside. So even when I try to love you, you reject it. When I try to do what's right, you reject it. It ain't good enough. Don't you ever believe this doesn't exist? It does. There are husbands and wives that don't even try to love. There's husbands and wives that try to love all the time. It's not received. Are y'all getting this? There's parents that extend love to their children. The children won't receive it. It happens. Check this out. So Jesus tells Peter, <laughs> he said, verse 8, Thou sh he said, thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus said, if I wash thee not, you have no part with me. Boy, that's deep. So Peter, the extremist, says, well, don't only wash my feet. Give me a bath. He's crazy, isn't he? Peter's crazy. 
Everything Peter did was crazy, and yet he's God's leading disciple. Every time you see a list, his name is first. Peter's crazy. Here they go in the garden, they're going to me, Jesus is a, is a stone throw away. Jesus is praying and said, can, can you not just stay, just stay awake one hour while I'm praying. He's praying and sweat like drops of blood are falling from his brow. He's praying and all of a sudden all these Jewish soldiers come in the garden and they, they got their swords drawn. They say, who is Jesus? And Jesus said, I am he. Bible says they fell back. And when they went to grab Jesus, Peter pulled out his switchblade and cut off Malchus' ear. Malchus was a high priest. Cut off his ear. The Bible said, cut the ear off. And the ear fell on the ground. And Jesus reached down and picked up the ear and put it back in place. Every blood vessel, every corpuscle was perfect. Y'all ain't getting this. You know why he can do it? Because he can fix your fractures too. Because he is God. He can put everything back in its proper place. So when something gets out of place, all you got to do is call on Jesus and he'll put it back in proper place. My mind is messed up. I'll put it back in place. My emotions are messed up. My heart is messed up. My mouth is messed up. I'll put it back in its place. My boy said, give me a bath. And Jesus said in verse 10, he that is washed. Don't miss that word. So he that has had a bath, he that has been washed with the washing of regeneration, he that has been saved, need not but to have his feet symbolically washed as they get dirty because he is already clean. Are y'all getting this? <sighs> and he goes on to say, but all of you are not clean. Talking about Judas Iscariot. The interesting thing is, Verse 12, so he washed their feet and had taken his garments and was sat down and he said, Know ye what I have done to you? You call me master and I am. You call me Lord and I am. If I then, your Lord, am willing to wash your feet, you ought to also wash, he didn't say my feet, one another's feet. Hmm. He said, for I have given you an example don't we need models today? Don't we need good examples today? I keep telling you, I thank God for the way I was raised. I didn't, while I was being raised. But after looking back, I had to say, yes, ma'am, no, sir. The, uh, yes was not allowed in my house. Yeah was out the question. The word what was not even used. Are y'all getting what I'm saying? <laughs> Love it. My mom comes to that door at 6 o'clock. She said, Raymond Butch, it's dinner. Come on. That was the octave. And I get around my friends and I'm showing off. And she said, did you hear me? Well, that meant the next move. You're going to get your butt whipped in the streets. That, 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 that's all it meant. That's all it meant. You're you going to get a whipping in the streets. That's all it meant. 
He back on his steps at nine o'clock, you know, little teenager, summertime. Ah, man, I ain't going home right now. Well, here we go. See my dad come through, see my dad come around the corner. He was built too. He has a little t-shirt on. And me and my brother saw him, we shot out in South Philly. You know, they got them alleys. We shot through the alley. And I noticed my dad was running. Then he stopped running. He stopped walking slow. I said, good. We, at least we ain't getting no beating out in the street. I got on my step. Now, the screen door was locked. <laughs> we got a whip in the front of the whole block. And they laughing. Those were the days. But you know what them whippings taught me? When my mother was on her deathbed, I said, Mom, thank you for every beating. Little did I know they were preparing me for life. So the cops don't have to beat on me. You'll catch that on the way home. I don't want to hit my child. Well, the cops will hit him. That's all. That's all. It's, it's, it's okay. It's okay. God, God bless you. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not advocating abuse. I'm, I'm merely saying to you that there was a purpose for our pain. There was a purpose that God designed and, and, and it's here, it's here, it's here. Jesus, verse 10, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And I, and I know we all had little kids, and you, they call them terrible twos, don't they? When them kids get two years old, they terrible. They terrible. They trying new things. They're saying new things. Come on now. You know, huh? I'm in ShopRite going through the store, and here's little Johnny sitting up in the cart. Mother said, no, put that back. No. No. Shut up. Don't embarrass mommy. Shut up. Leave me alone. And I'm sitting there, and they, that child keep talking. Shut up. And I start shaking. I'm shaking for two reasons. First of all, I want to hit them. But I'm shaking because I can remember my mother and father. We ain't had no temper tantrums and Sears and Robot. Y'all remember that? There were no temper tantrums. Talking about, and, and so you go talk to these secular psychologists. Well, that's just a... That's just a normal part of life. Not in my house, it wasn't. Ain't nobody had no temper tantrums when you were on the floor of a, a department store. Ah! How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? I told you, my mother was an usher in the middle aisle with them white gloves on. Look, we in the back showing off. She could go like this. That nod means when I get home, I'm going to take your head off. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Good night, Irene. Check it out. I'm coming in. I'm coming in. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. So Jesus talks about this suffering even when they reject. And finally, look, look at this. Love is an ability to sacrifice for the needs of others. It's absorbing pain. Ah! First, there's a sacrifice of giving, verse 34, go way up to 34. 
a new commandment. Now, they already had Moses' Ten Commandments. They had the Decalogue. They had 400-something, 34 instructions from the law. He says, I'm going to give you a new commandment that you love one another. How, Jesus, as I have, here it is, love you. That you love one another. Look at verse 35. Guidance. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you show this love one to another. And, 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 and the extension of this is 1 Corinthians 13. It was written, you're hearing, don't turn. It says, listen, though I have the tongues of angels and show not charity love, I'm nothing but a bunch of noise. Sounding brass, tinkling cymbal. Isn't that right? Hmm. And though I give all my goods to feed the poor, though I give my body to be burnt and have not charity, it profits me nothing. Look, look at it, look at it. He, he's talking about it's profitable, it's not provoked, it's peaceful, it's powerful, it promotes. It's a man in a mirror who becomes a motivator to serve others. It's not about how you make me feel. It's about me ministering to you. It's not what you think of me. It's what I need to think about you. It's not what you're doing for me or not doing for me. It's what I need to do for you. It's contagious. Very few of us can serve another without worrying about ourselves. Do I have a witness? And as, as I close, there was a doctor, a veterinarian. He found, listen to this, he found a dirty, disease flea-inflicted dog. Cleaned that dog up, had that dog sprayed, and the dog's name was Winslow. The word Winslow means to return. He cleaned this dog up and gave the dog to his little daughter and said, baby, here's a dog for you to have. And the daughter loved the dog. The daughter, the daughter gave great affection to the dog. And uh, the, the daughter said, daddy, thank you for the dog. I, I love Winslow. Winslow's a great dog. He was clean. He, he, had, he no longer had fleas. He, he had his hair cut. Amen. He wasn't mean. He, she, she loved that dog. But one morning, the little daughter got up and couldn't find Winslow. She said, Daddy, where did the dog go? He said, I don't know, baby. Uh, and she, they searched high and low, couldn't find Winslow. Yeah. And one day, Winslow showed up. And the daughter said, Daddy, that's Winslow. And the, the father looked out. And Winslow was out in the yard with about 20 or 30. Yeah. Flea inflicted, dirty, mean dogs. I'm trying to show you something. And the father managed to communicate to Winslow, where did you go? He said, you know what? I figured if you could clean me up, that I could go back into my neighborhood and get the other dogs that were dirty. And I know that you could clean them up. See, that's the way this thing called salvation works. 
God cleans us up. Doesn't he clean us up? Doesn't he get rid of all the fleas? Doesn't he, doesn't he get rid of all the mange? And then he, yeah, makes us uh uh-huh. Uh, 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 whether he gives us something to help somebody else out, to make somebody else feel good, that's called ministry. And like the woman at the well, you and I need to go back to them old neighborhoods. Get some of the dogs we ran with. Dogs that are dirty and dogs that are afflicted and dogs that got fleas. And I dare you to bring them to Jesus. And Jesus will clean them up. Won't he clean them up? He'll save their souls. He'll open up doors for them that they cannot close and close doors that they cannot open. Say yeah. That's what I love about my Jesus. He's a loving God and a God that loves. For he so loved me that he came and snatched me out of hell with smoke still in my garments and put me on a street called straight. Can I get a witness? See, I don't have no fleas no more. Can I get a witness? I've been sprayed. I, I've been washed. Uh, can I get a witness? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is good. The Lord is gracious. The Lord is merciful. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for the Lord is good. Can I get a witness? Any good? Any good? He's so good that the psalmist said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Let's stay on our feet. Hallelujah. As every head is bowed, your eyes closed. If you're here this morning, you need to be saved. You want to give your life to Jesus Christ, believing he's the son of God and God the son, that he died on a cross for your sins. Rose from the grave with all power in his hand. Just raise your hand. If you want to give your life to Christ, is there one? If your hands are raised, come on up. I see two hands, three hands. Come on up. Or perhaps you want to join the church in your Christian experience. Come on up. Come on up. Bless the Lord. We had one soul this morning. Bless the Lord. Thank you. Thank you so much. Stand right here. I see. Come on, young man. Come on. Praise his name. See, God don't need no crowd. God don't need a packed church. My God is able. Is he able? Thank you. Is there another back there? Bless his name. Bless his name. Thank you for your commitment to come out. Thank you for those of you that are viewing by stream. We love you. These five critical components of love. Listen. In order to love another, you got to see. You got to submit. You got to serve. You got to suffer. You got to sacrifice. Then God will teach us all about love. It's not a feeling. It's a function. Father, we thank you for the Lordship of Christ. Give us journeys, mercies back home. Bless every family on the sound of my voice. Thank you for your word. And have your way in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, true love liberates. So how free are you? You are dismissed. God bless you. Love you. Church, amen. <laughs>